0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. That's Romans, chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord, and do this, understanding the present time The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sin of the sinful nature. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello, everybody. It's good to see all of you for the last Sunday service of 2015. Every time a year ends, or actually... Right after Christmas, everybody always says this line, I can't believe this blank year is over. And the same for 2015, isn't it? Every time we come to years and the thing that comes into our mind is, wow, I can't believe 2015 is over already. What have you done with yourselves? You know? And so we're thinking... What have we done this whole past year? What has transpired? What happened? And I think it's a good question to ask. Honestly, at the end of every year, if we do ask that question, it's healthy because we get to see not only our accomplishments and successes, but we get to see our mistakes and failures a little bit apart from when it actually happened. So what has happened to you this past 2015. When I think about myself, 2015, so the beginning of this past year, I was still a college pastor. And I was wondering how I can get college students signed up for the winter retreat in January. So much has changed. And so even now, we are wondering I wonder how many college students are going to sign up for this winter retreat. How many EMers are going to sign up. We actually have a really great place uh, that we mentioned, I think, earlier. But I don't know if Jubin mentioned it. But we rent uh, a hotel. And it's just 15 minutes down, 10 minutes down, if if I'm driving. But 15 minutes down, 17th South. And it's uh, it's right on 17th South. It's, uh, where is it? East Rutherford. And it's a great hotel. It's a great, it's a great place. And they close off the whole uh, conference room for us. So we're still kind of secluded from everybody. And they give us nice meals. It's a wonderful place because even if you're working and you wanted to join us at night, you could come and join us at the hotel at night for the evening service. But if you could stay for the whole retreat... It's really wonderful. We have wonderful programs. And I think retreats are where you actually get to know people. It's so hard, and we're going to try, try to fix this, but it's so hard to really get to know people right after service on Sunday. And I think we have a good number of people that we should know each other. I grew up in a church similar, a little bigger than the size of this ministry now, and we knew everything about everybody You know, we said hi to everybody, and it was like, I think that was a really nice kind of environment to grow up in. And I guess the challenge is, do you know everybody here? Do you know what's going on in their lives? And it's important that we do. It's important because we are a family. We've been called to be a family, so we should know what's going on in each other's lives so that we can pray for each other, so that we can have a concern for one another, and that we can really support and encourage one another. 2015 is almost over. What is the one of the most important things you have learned this year? What's one of the most important things that you've experienced this year? And I became the head pastor here in August, and I remember going through... Um, a sermon series on Ephesians. And I don't know if you were here for that. Many of you probably have been. Otherwise, it's on the internet, and you may have listened to it. But in the end, if we were to summarize, we are the church. We are his church. And we were called to love God and love each other. Love God and love each other. One of the most important things I personally have learned is I've personally learned a deeper meaning to the word love. Love is simple, isn't it? Love is simple. It can be complicated if you want to make it complicated. But love, we understand, and the Bible keeps on talking about love over and over again. Love God. Love each other. It's about love. And so in the end, it comes to love. How have you experienced love? And how have you given love? I think for me personally, and I really want to hit on this in the coming year, is I don't think I, could, I would have made it if it wasn't for your love and your prayers. I know prayer is important, right? Everybody knows prayer is important. It's in the Bible. Jesus prays every morning. Everybody knows prayer is important. We pray in our service. But I've really got to experience the depth of God's love and your love through the prayers that you've given me. And I cherished the morning prayers that we've had. I cherish the prayers right before service in the pastor's office a group of people gather to pray for this very service to pray for me but pray also for your hearts as well and i believe god listens to those prayers and he has listened to them the beginning of this passage talks about waking up from slumber and i talk about love because right before the passage paul talks about love it's all about love it's all about love sure And to do this, he says, understanding the present time, the hour has come for us to wake up. Are you a grouchy (laughs) waker-upper? Or do you wake up with pizzazz and joy, full of like just excitement? If I am to be honest, I have a confession Christmas we had a service and I was supposed to be here at 8.30 to practice the bells. If you were in Christmas service you saw the pastors do the bells and we did we had to come at 8.30 to practice so like a good pastor that needs to practice at 8.30 I set my alarm for 7.10 in the morning and then I set my alarm and then I went to bed at around 3am but I went to bed and then I woke up like gasping for air, like, oh, why is it so bright out? What time is it? And I looked, it was 7.30. So I was just angry. I was like, why didn't my stupid alarm work? And I put on my suit, washed up, and then I drove speed limit to work, maybe a few, few miles per hour faster. But I drove to uh, church, and I got here on time. I like, praise the Lord. But I thought... I thought Christmas was Sunday so I set my alarm for 7:10 Sunday. So this morning I woke up way too early. But how are we when we have to wake up? Paul is admonishing his listeners and his readers, it's time for us to get up. And I think it really depends on what's ahead of us. Isn't that true? If you have a long, grueling, and you're not looking forward to it kind of day, when the alarm goes off, what do you want to do immediately? You want to hit that snooze button. You do not want to get up. But what if it's the day of your marriage? What if it's the first day of work? What if it's when you have to meet your lover, girlfriend, or boyfriend, whatever it is, and you're waking up, won't you get up with excitement? Won't you be excited to get up? So when Paul is saying it's time for us to wake up, it really does depend on who is listening and why we are waking up. What are you waking up for? What are we as a church waking up for in 2016? And it's important that we realize this because time has a very deep correlation to love. Time is correlated to love in a deep way. How is it correlated? Time motivates love. The year is over. Moments are past. But not only that, your life will be over. And you realize life is momentary. The world is coming to an end. There's a famous quote attributed to Martin Luther, but MLK brought it back and he made it famous again. Um, but the quote is even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. This is a different kind of thinking than the world would have us believe. If we knew the world would end tomorrow, and we don't. Only God knows. If but if we knew the world would end tomorrow, the quote goes on to say, I would still plant my apple trees. Now, if you are thinking of it in the world's terms, this statement makes no sense. It's rubbish, it's foolish. But if you are thinking in the terms of what I'm about to introduce, the two ways to wake up, and you wake up, expectant, you wake up in joy, then you know the meaning behind even if the world would end tomorrow, I would still plant my apple trees because there is an infusion of hope that Christians have. That even if the world would pass away, the things that you are doing this very moment, the things that you have done in 2015, God would not let it go to waste. In fact, if you plant, God is faithful and he will make it grow. That's why we have sweat and toiled over his church. Because God is faithful and he will make it grow. So even though I know the world would end tomorrow, do you still have hope? And does hope drive you to do things that the world would think you're crazy for? There is no doubt in my mind that 2,000 years ago, the birth of Jesus Christ, which we celebrated two days ago, changed the world forever. Forever. The world did not think that way. And now we have this thought, this philosophy that's changing. And people don't know, oh, it's just the way it is. No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. If you look at all your history books, you look at the way they perceived humans, not just animals, humans and life in general, it was not like that. Need I remind you, even during the Roman Empire, women weren't considered, like, even close to man. Men were so far above socially, and they, knew, they believed that men were more biologically developed. Biologically developed. Women, when they were born, they looked at women and said, you are a malformed man. That's what they thought. And so people had this belief that women weren't complete men. They were just partial men. And so women and children didn't even get a say. Men had the power. Don't you see the reversal when Jesus comes in and he walks through Samaria, not even uh, Israel, Samaria, and he goes and talks to a woman at the well, How, how baffled they must have been. Like, why are you talking with her? Why are you wasting your time? And in fact, the first missionary that Jesus sends out is a woman. And 2,000 years later, we have seen this, what was planted, grow. And we see that life is precious because God has given it to each and every single one of us, man, woman, child. Every one of us. Precious because God deemed it so. He created life. And he affirms it when he walked on this earth. You see, how we go into 2016 is so important because this is how we are going to wake up. The waking up part is going to come. Even if you want to sleep forever, you cannot. 2016 is around the corner. But how you wake up is important. And how we wake up, Paul says, we need to understand this present time. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The temporary will almost be over. And the eternal will come. The temporary is almost over. And the eternal will come. If we realize the brevity of this life, we see that this is a transitory phase for the future that is to come, then we start taking things differently. And you don't even have to be a Christian to get this, because we know the world is fleeting. We know that this will come to pass. And you see that even if you're a Christian or non Christian, we have this thing called the New Year's Resolution because we know deep down things will pass, but we must move on, we must progress. That's why we keep on pushing things. That's why leaders will keep on reminding you, come to the Christmas college potluck. It's important that you come and spend time and get encouraged by your fellow college group members and the leaders. Come to every meeting. It's important that you come so that you get reminded that Jesus is Lord. You know, it's not just churches that do this. Businesses do this. Don't we have meetings like every day? It's not just businesses, cults. Cults get it. They meet all the time. Any kind of organization has this minimum basic. It's a basic foundation for an organization. But we as Christians, we as the church, we gather together to do something. And in the latter part of verse 12, Paul says it. We gather together because we must put on this armor of light so that we can behave as we behave in the daytime. That means when we put on this armor of light, when we gather together, we put on this armor of light and we encourage each other to behave well. What does that really mean? When I was younger, I thought that learning the Bible and being a Christian was just a bunch of killjoys put together. It's God trying to kind of smush down my fun. I want to have fun. I want to hang out. I want to blankety-blank with my friends, you know. I want to do these things. Why is God saying no more orgies. That's terrible. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's terrible. I want to do these things. I want to get drunk. I want to live my life the way I want to. Why is God saying no? Isn't he a huge killjoy? That's why I don't like church. Church is going to make me just not do the things I want to do. Well, here's the point where it all comes together. If we are called to love, then we need to wake up. And put on this armor of light so that we can love. It comes back full circle like every year we have a winter retreat. It comes back full circle. If we were meant to love, then these things that are being mentioned aren't killjoys. But rather these things are the things that are killing your love. These things are the things that are taking away your ability to love. And if you continue to do so, the love in your life will decrease. It's not just so that we give you a killjoy that people are reminding each other. No. It's so that you can love each other, that we can all love each other to the fullest. Imagine we did all these things that Paul tells us not to do. This would be a terrible church. Not only that, you take it out to any organization. Any organization. It would be a terrible organization. You take it to any family. It would be a terrible family. So we remind ourselves, I know the flesh wants these things and somehow we are sometimes drawn to these things. But instead of being drawn to that, I want you to put on the armor of light So that you can remind yourselves, this is not what we're living for. Because in the end, this doesn't lead to love. It leads to death. If we continue on this path, it leads to death. And so we don't want to go into the path of death. We want to go into the path of light, life, and love. And so Paul is saying, remember who you are. In Romans 6, he already said, you are dead to sin. But here in chapter 13, he is saying, remember who you are. And that's important because even Jesus, when he taught Peter, and in uh, the first chapter of 2 Peter, Peter says this, so I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Look, you're Christian. You can say, I get it, I get it. Do I still need to come out and listen to this again? Don't do this, don't do this, but rather do this, do this. And Peter is saying, I will, even though you know it, I will still always remind you. Church isn't always about experiencing some new new thing, like, oh my goodness, wow, that was so deep. That was so powerful. I'm so glad I came. I can't wait till the next week. And so I hear a new amazing revelation But church is also about reminders. You know this. Sure you do. But I'm here to remind you again, again. He he continues. He says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon be put aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Jesus Christ was even reminding Peter, look, I know I taught you this. But I'm going to teach it to you again. And I want you to do that for the people that you teach. Even Jesus. And Peter says, And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Why do we keep on reminding each other? You know, in our mission and vision statement, I preached about what the Hebrew word for... Teach is right. The root of the Hebrew word for teach is the same as to learn. If you're going to learn it, you have to teach it. It has the same root. And then I finally said, it also means in the Bible this same root to teach and to learn also means to make a thousandfold to bear fruit. So what are we reminding? Why are we? Why are we? going through this repetition, don't do this, don't do this, but do that, do that. If any, I, I think there are a few teachers here, but if you're a teacher, you know. Repetition is part of teaching. It's actually a very important part of teaching. You repeat over and over again. That's why when you're a parent, you continue to repeat to your child what are the good ways, what are the right ways in which you want that child to grow. And so it is the same. Teaching is repetition, but we teach in repetition to do what? So that eventually we would apply it. So that our life exudes the light that we have been clothed with. So that we can actually live that life of love. And we start expressing it. We start applying it in our lives. If 2016 is a time for us to wake up, It is a time for us to wake up so that we can finally apply the things that we have learned. It's an exciting time. What have we learned? We've learned so much. We have. But practically, we're going independent, we're going to elect our own elders to be a session and a ruling board for our church. We're going to continue electing deacons. We're going to change things ministerially, sure. But what do the, all these things mean? It means we are doing all these things organizationally, structurally, so that we can all apply the things we have learned. If you take today and all you remember is, oh, yes, it's about waking up. I can't wait for 2016. I'm excited. But you don't do anything in 2016. That's a waste, isn't it? It's okay to have New Year's resolution. New Year's resolutions are great. They're awesome. I have one. It's to eat less. But I don't know how hard... That's really difficult. It's really difficult. So it's to eat less and to portion control. Um, I don't know if I'll make it. But anyway... If we have a New Year's resolution and you don't apply it to your life, then that New Year's resolution is rubbish. It's garbage. It's meaningless. If you take what we have learned in 2015 and we don't apply it to launch into 2016, it's a waste. It's another wasted year. We're going to get to the end of 2016 and we will say again, wow, can you believe it? 2016 is already over. My challenge is this. Let's not end up like that. Let's launch into 2016 with vigor, with energy, but because we have been given hope Don't you see every single thing that is happening here? God was a mastermind and he put all these pieces together. He took pieces apart, he put them together and we ended up here where we are now because God is good and he is building this church. And so with what he has given us, we have enough to launch. So let's do that. In 2015, we praise God for all that he has given us and prepped us with. But 2016, is time for application. It's time to apply what we have learned, what we have been prepped with, and launch into the new year. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for all that you have done in 2015. We remember, Lord God, the good things that we have been blessed by. We Remember how much you have given us. And even though we walked through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord God, you were with us and you are with us now. And so we thank you. And as we approach 2016, we want to approach it the way you admonish us to do so, to wake up from our slumber, but to do so with hope, vigor, excitement expecting to see what you have in store for your church and so we thank you God and we lift up our lives to you saying Lord God use us use us for your glory build this church so that the name of Jesus will be made great in this place in Jesus name we pray